Okay, guys, we are we're we're getting close to the end. It's almost kind of amazing. We've actually got today's lesson, and then I think we've got like another three or four lessons, and we'll be through Romans. Okay, but today we're in lesson twenty-four. We're going to talk about the weaker brother. Now, when we talk about the weaker brother, I am not talking about whether or not you can you always lose arm wrestling. Okay. I'm not talking about that you can't hardly pick up five pounds. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about levels of maturity. And does everybody recognize that in a church, you have people who are at different levels of spiritual maturity? Does everybody recognize that? Okay. You have immature people. You have mature people. And a lot of times, what ends up happening and what was happening In the early church, and this is why Paul mentions it here, he also mentions it in another letter as well, the Corinthian letter, there was an issue of arguments, uh, disagreements happening between believers, and it was over secondary issues. Did you understand what secondary issues are? Primary issues would be like, What we believe about Jesus, that he's God, that he's the son of God, that he's fully God, fully man, both, fully God, fully man, that he died for your sins, that he was sinless, that he rose from the dead, that he's coming back bodily. Do you understand what I'm saying? That every knee shall bow to him. Those are primary issues. Salvation is by faith alone. That's a primary issue. Secondary issues have to do with things that are not primary such as the issue of tongues. That's a secondary issue. Another secondary issue would be, you know, what type of music you like, how you should dress for church. Did you understand? All of those are secondary issues. Now, what problem, the problem happens in church, though, is that in some churches, and this has been true even in our church, we can sometimes make our secondary issues primary issues. Do you, know, do you know what I mean by that? We can sometimes make our secondary issues primary issues. And that's where the disagreements happen. And so what Paul's going to talk about today is he's going to talk about where, well, how to handle these secondary issues and how to, how to relate to each other because we're at different levels of maturity. So what we're going to see is is that over the next couple of weeks, these are very important lessons. Very important lessons. Now, the cultural application for for Paul's situation there is had to do with eating meat that had to be that was offered to an idol. And when we get to that point, I'll explain to you what's going on there. But the principles are reflective for all of us today. So let's look first of all at verses one through twelve of chapter fourteen. And look at what Paul writes as we look at these verses together. Let's look. Verse 12, excuse me. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let him who eats despise him, who does not eat, and let him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? 
to his own servant, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, and for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us shall give an account of himself, to God. All right, so let's look at this. We're going to we're going to divide this in a couple of sections. Verses one to three. He's going to talk about levels of maturity here. The spiritually mature are called to accept the one who is weak in his faith. The spiritually mature is called to accept the one who is weak in his faith. What we're talking about here is is that in a church, among believers, and this is even true whether you're interacting with, because a lot of you interact with Christians in your workplace, am I assuming that's correct? They may not be a physical part of this church, but they're a part of the universal church. And a lot of them are at different levels on things about with you, is that correct? Would you say that? They're not all right where you're at. Okay? Some of them are more mature. Some of them are less mature. The point is, is that if, if you're mature here, basically what Paul's calling you to do is to, can I use the word tolerate? Tolerate the weaker or immature brother in his issues. In his issues. Tolerate them. You need to think about others is what he's saying here. He goes on. They are not to engage in meaningless arguments about opinions. Think about how much time we spend as Christians arguing over nothing. Okay? So, for instance, right now, seems to be a big discussion. You know, right now, it used to be most churches in the evangelical circles had a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture view of the return of Christ. However... In the last 10, 15 years, I would say even the last 20 years, that's been shifting. And how that's been shifting is is that there are now some who believe, well, it's a mid-tribulational rapture. We've got to go through part of the rapture. Or, or there are some who say we've got to go through you know, part of the tribulation. Or, or some who say we've got to go through all of the tribulation. Or you'll meet some people who say, well, there's not going to be a rapture. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Jesus is going to come back, but we're going to experience all of it. And, and so you see a lot of different viewpoints. And so a lot of times we think that's a primary issue and then we argue about it. Actually, can I tell you, it's a secondary issue. 
The primary issue is the bodily return of Christ. All of those people believe that Jesus is going to return bodily, and when he returns, that's it. Everybody understand? How and when is secondary. You can tolerate somebody who maybe believes something a little different. Did you understand what I'm saying? You can tolerate them. They can be wrong, and most likely they are. Okay? You know, I like to tell people, oh, you'll be presently surprised when Jesus comes back. Because when he comes back, you know, I'm assuming it's going to be like, I, what? so you'll be surprised, but that's okay, right? There's no sense arguing over stuff. Okay? I'm using that because there, there are a lot of multitude of other issues that we could talk about, that we argue over. Isn't it true? We argue over them. All right? Paul's saying that they're not to engage in, let's, let's be honest, meaningless. Let's think about the things we argue about in church. Are they meaningless? A lot of times they are, right? Meaningless arguments about opinions. Here's the other one. One believes he can eat all things, while another believes he can only eat vegetables. See, this is the struggle that the that the Romans were struggling with, what the Christians actually in, in Paul's day were struggling with, is that there was the mature who said, you know what, I can, I can eat anything. I can eat pork. I love bacon, you know. And then there are some who are like, no, 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 the only thing we can eat is vegetables. And a lot of it had to do with the conflict between having Gentiles and Jewish believers mixing. Because to the Jewish believer, in his good conscience, he couldn't eat what? Pork. or And he would only want to eat what's prescribed by the law. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So, it's really here. One believes he can eat all things, while another believes he can only eat vegetables. So I want you to think for a moment about your life. Think about the things that you... In whatever level of maturity you're at, believe it's okay for you to do as a Christian. We don't need to list those out here because we'll have meaningless arguments. Alright? But I want you to think for a moment, what is it in your life that you think it's okay to do? Alright? Think about that. Now, let me ask you a question. This one I want you to answer. Does everybody agree with your opinion of that? Have, have, have sometimes people argued with you about that? Do you know what I'm saying? When you say, I can do this, and do this, that, and have some people, you see what I'm saying? You've got to recognize where it is that you have come to in maturity and tolerate the one who isn't there yet. Did you understand what I'm saying? Well, that's just infringing on me. Well, we're going to see what Paul says about that, okay? We're going to see what Paul says. You know, there's one person that believes one thing, another believes another. We're talking about secondary issues here now. Okay? Talking about secondary issues. Let me just stop for a moment. What's a primary issue? Thou shall not. Thou shall not steal. Thou shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not cover. Those, is that a, are those primary? Those are not up for discussion, right? Okay? Those are not secondary. So here's what I'm saying. But then there are a lot of other issues where there is basically freedom. And you might have freedom. But somebody else does it. 
So how do we interact with each other? This is the issue that he's talking about here. One believes he can eat all things, another believes he can only eat vegetables. The mature Christian, okay, here's where it comes to. The mature Christian, Paul is saying, is not to despise the weak one. And is that easy to have? Is is that easy to be there? I mean, you come to the conclusion in your relationship with Jesus that your involvement in whatever, and I'm just going to leave it open, it's okay, but you've got some people who are like, no, there's no way, it's not, you're not a good. And sometimes what can happen is, is pride can creep in. Is that true? Pride can creep in, and, and you can think more highly of yourself than you need to because you can begin to despise. They haven't understood yet. They haven't arrived yet. They haven't gotten there yet. They're just immature. I'm, I'm, I'm bigger. I'm better because I understand. Isn't that our human tendency? Okay? That's our human tendency. So the mature, Paul's saying, look, if you're mature and you've come to a conclusion and you believe you have freedom, don't despise the guy or the gal who's not there yet. In fact, don't despise them because they may never get there. Do you understand? They may never get there. Yeah, you argue with him and you may push them away. You know, you say, well, we're focusing on the mature here, George. What about the weaker person? What's he supposed to do? Paul's going to tell us what the weaker is supposed to do because we're supposed to live in unity and harmony with each other, right? Okay? But you're right. If we argue, that that creates a problem. And he's actually going to tell us what kind of problems it creates here. Paul's very, very clear in what he's talking about here. So, the point is here, is that we're not to despise the weak one. But here's what he says to the weak one. The weak Christian is not to judge the mature Christian. Ever seen that happen? You have freedom. You feel you have freedom to do whatever in Christ. And somebody who's not there maturity-wise or even understanding-wise, he looks at you and he judges you and says, You're a cardinal! You're in sin! You're not mature. I mean, you're 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 losing it. Do you, do you understand? You, have you seen that happen? Yeah, make fun of you. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? They, they 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 mock you and question your spirituality because you're engaging what they think is not right. But you're looking at it and saying, "Dude, like, what's up? There's nothing here scripturally that's 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 binding. That's a primary issue. It's okay." So here he's talking about for the mature one, don't despise the weak one. And hey, if you're weak, don't judge the other brother. Don't judge the other brother. Now let's go on. Look with me now. He's going to talk about living to the Lord. Verses 4 through 9. He's going to talk about living to the Lord. In fact, in verse 4, it's not our place to judge another believer. It's not our place to judge another believer. Now, what do we mean by that? Okay. First of all, let me just stop for a moment because we need to understand what we mean by judge here and what we don't mean by judge. Okay? This statement is not a blanket statement that tells you that you should not be concerned about or looking at issues in your brother's life. Why? Because there are other passages where it very clearly says, 
by your by their fruits you'll know them. We're going to look at that when we go through uh, Matthew 7. That when you see your brother in fault, you're to go to them. There's an element of judgment there. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're responsible to care for each other, to make sure that we're all responsible. But that's not what he's talking about here. The word judge here has more of a meaning of condemning. You're not to be condemning your brother over, can I be honest with you, doubtful issues. Secondary issues. Do you understand what I'm saying? That That's what he's talking about here. He's not talking about you going, like, if, if there's a brother who's in adultery, I have I have a biblical responsibility, you and I have a biblical responsibility to go to that brother and say, hey, you're not doing right. You're hurting your family. You're hurting yourself. We've been given that responsibility. And, 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 and the guy who's caught in adultery might say, well, quit judging me. It's not judgment, folks. That's not what he's talking about here. We're carrying out our responsibility to care for each other. Do you understand? But what Jesus, what Paul's talking about here and what Jesus was talking about in Matthew is, is that it's not our place to condemn another believer. And my, how often do we do that? Don't we do that? We're all guilty of that, aren't we? Alright, let's look. The issue of judgment is over secondary issues and opinions. The issue of judgment is over secondary issues and opinions. That's what the issue of judgment here. It's 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 when you are so adamant about your opinion and your position. And it's a secondary issue. It's 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 meaningless. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's a meaningless issue. That's what he's talking about here. Okay? And trust me, I have through the years, you and I have seen some of the craziest things happen over something insignificant. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Something insignificant. I'll give you one. I'll give you an example of one right now. There have been lots of battles over this, and I'm not talking about God's word. I'm talking about what version. Did you understand what I'm saying? And a lot of times, can I be honest with you, I try to stay away from those arguments because what I find is is that people who are adamant about one version over another, it's really, can, can we get ready for this one? Okay, I'm not saying this to hurt your feelings if you're, if you're there. It's really an issue of ignorance. Because they don't understand how translations came about or the tradition of the translations, and then they don't even understand how minute, or I'm using the word minute here, the differences are in words that are used. So for instance, we have in our pews the New King James. I use the New King James. When I started out in ministry, I used a King James Bible. Now, if you have a King James Bible, and I read to you from the New King James, you could probably follow word for word, except for, are you ready for this, the New King James does not use these or thous. It uses you. Okay? Y-O-U. And it uses modern language. Do you understand? It's written, it's written from the same Greek text, 
okay, from the same Greek text, in the same tradition, but it's there. Now the question is, is what's the deal? What's the deal? Why? And, and how many times have you seen battles over that? We've seen battles over that, haven't we? And, and, and what's the issue? The issue is one of understanding. And if you just accept what your preacher's saying and you don't read it for yourself, you'll get real fired up and, and, and whatever. And the reality is, is that it's a secondary issue. And you will even, listen to me, hasn't this happened? Judge somebody who's maybe using an NIV or an ESV or a New American Standard. Did you understand what I'm saying? Or a contemporary, contemporary English version. Because, listen to me, that's how we can get distracted. And Paul's saying here, look, you know, we need to show tolerance towards each other. Okay? Tolerance. Hey, and I'm a great example of that because, you know, when I was a young Christian in an independent Baptist church 30 years ago, guess what I was? King James only. What changed me? Reading and understanding how translations come about. Having a Greek minor. Do you understand what I'm saying? Understanding how even the American language changes. Does everybody understand that? And it does, doesn't it? Okay? It does. So, the issue of judgment here that he's talking about that we shouldn't be judging ourselves about is over secondary issues and opinions. The believer is solely accountable to the Lord and one day will stand before him. Here's the reality. You need to understand this. Paul's just laying down a flat-out principle here. Here's the reality. Every single one of us is accountable to who? And one day you're going to give an account. His point is, is that the accountability is, is for a believer, they're accountable to the Lord. They're accountable to the Lord. Bottom line, they're accountable to the Lord. In fact, each believer, okay, what, what, let's see here. One believer will regard one day above another while another believes, regards them all. While another, should be an R there, while another believer regards them all. So for some people, how many remember years ago, older people having the opinion that you could not do anything on Sunday because that was the Sabbath? Okay? You couldn't read the Sunday comics. I remember having an aunt getting fussing at me when we used to go to her house and they'd, you know, my uncle, my uncle would be sitting there in his easy chair and he'd have the paper right there and he'd have, he'd be reading all the paper and the comics would be there and you're a kid, what do you want to do? You want to read the comics. I remember grabbing the comics and reading them and my aunt fussing at me and telling me, don't do that on the Sabbath. Okay? You don't do things on the Sabbath. Now, here's the thing. Here's what I want you to understand. So for those folks, to them, the most important day was Sunday. Now, here's, here's the problem. If everybody understands the Bible, the Sabbath is actually Saturday. The Lord's Day is Sunday. Okay? And whether or not you read the comics on Sunday 
is not a law. That's a secondary issue, okay? Obviously, we don't enforce that one anymore, right? Okay. So, but the point is, is that one person can look at an issue and he's convinced this is what needs to happen. But another one says, no, 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 no. I don't see it that way. Every day is the Lord's. Every day you should be living for Him. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're going to be at different places. This is what Paul's making a point here about. In fact, each believer is to be convinced in his own mind concerning whatever issue. You need to be convinced in your own mind. In fact, here's what I would say to people. Before you get adamant about some secondary issue and you go to war over it, make sure you're going to war over it because... You're convinced about it, not because somebody told you what to believe about it. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because that can be embarrassing. If you're going to go to war and be so adamant about an issue, and the fact of the matter is is you're just repeating what was told to you rather than you knowing it yourself from the Bible, that can get embarrassing. Especially if you're talking to somebody who does know. Or who does understand, who is mature. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that's the whole point here. Each believer is to be convinced in his own mind concerning whatever issue. Okay? Whatever issue. And let, when does that happen? Anybody know when that happens? Anybody know when that happens? When you become convinced in your own mind? Yeah, when you study the Bible as you get older. So, for instance, I'll give you an example again for myself. So, okay, when I was a young Christian, I believed in a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture return of Christ. Okay? And I can tell you that probably the reason why I believed it then is because that's what I was taught. Now, okay, some of you are on edge now. Okay. 30 years later, I believe in a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture of Christ, not because somebody told me, but because when I read the scripture, whatever, whichever epistle, whichever book, it comes out. And I've been skeptical, and I've looked, and I'm convinced more than ever now that before, before the tribulation begins, we're gone. Why? Because I see it, not because somebody told me. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the point Paul's making here. You have to be a man and woman of God's word and be convinced in your own mind concerning what? These secondary issues. Do you understand what I'm saying? The secondary issues. Do you understand? And, and as you come to maturity... So I, you know, I have people come, you know, as pastor, I have people come in all the time and they're telling me, and some of them are very adamant in their positions about what they think about something. I've learned, are you ready for this? I've learned to bite my tongue and to quietly and gently show them how to study to maybe come to a different conclusion. That, that doesn't mean that they're going to come to a different conclusion. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? All right, so each believer is to be convinced in his own mind concerning whatever issue. So while our actions may differ, they're all done to the Lord. Do you realize that 
Even though you and I go about our lives differently and, and how we serve the Lord may be different, the fact of the matter is, is all of your actions are to the Lord, if you need to realize that. In fact, isn't that what Paul reiterates in other passages? For me to live is Christ. Whether you eat or drink, do all for what? The glory of God. So how do you live your life? In fact, you know, here's the point. In fact, this is a good point for some of you who get so defeated, like, God will never use me. I can't play the guitar or the bass like the guys on the band do. I can't speak like George. I can't do it, be a teacher. You know what? Who cares? Live your life in the way that God enables you to live your life where you're at. For some of you, you live your life and serve the Lord maybe by swinging a hammer. For some of you, it may simply be you serve the Lord by praying. Did you understand what I'm saying? You know, I've talked to many seniors through the years, and they'll say, you know, I can't do anything more for the church, and I'll, I'll take them to the passage in Corinthians where Paul calls the widows to what? Pray. Well, you can still pray. That's probably more important than anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, uh, while our actions may be different, all of them are to the Lord. That's what Paul's saying here. Now, here's what else. No one lives and dies for himself. Came right out of that passage, didn't it? Have you clued in yet? You're not living for yourself. If you think you're living for yourself, you are greatly deceived. It is not about you. It's not about what you want to accomplish or anything. In fact, I'm learning that more and more as I get older. I wish I'd known this 20 or 30 years ago, that it really isn't about what I do for God. It's just about being faithful to what he tells me to do. Because I can spend a whole lot of time getting hung up on, well, I wish I could do this for the Lord, and I didn't have the opportunity like other people, and blah, blah, blah. You know what? Who cares? That's a lot of wasted mental energy, and I'm speaking from a guy who spent a lot of wasted mental energy on it. The bottom line comes down to, are you faithful to him wherever God puts you? Serving him, loving him, being obedient to him. That's ultimately the issue. It's not how much you do for Jesus. Okay? In fact, aren't we... I mean, some of you have been Christian for a long time. Isn't the road littered with a whole bunch of people who were really living for Jesus early on, and then they burned out or whatever, and the road's filled with their bodies, aren't they? Because where are they now? It's about persevering to the end and being faithful. That's really what the issue is. Nobody lives for himself and dies for himself. In fact, our lives and our death are to the Lord, and we belong to Him. Our lives and our death are to the Lord, and we belong to Him. In fact, here's the thing. Can I, can I be honest with you, folks? Any of you have a clue when you're going to die? Even if the doctor told you. Do anybody have a clue when you're going to die? No, because nobody has control over that. Why? Because Scripture says it is appointed unto man once to what? Die. God's the ultimate one who controls that. So as long as you live here, you need to be living for who? I can hear that. Yeah, the Lord. Do you know what I'm saying? The Lord. So, 
Because of his death and resurrection, Jesus is the Lord of the living and the dead. He's the Lord. That's the point he's making here is he's the Lord. So then in verses 10 through 12, he's just going to get right down to the issue of judgment. Because here's the thing. When we talk about dealing with each other and our call to respect each other and our call to tolerate each other, there's got to be an element in there to drive us to do that. And so he's going to bring that element in by talking about the judgment. Okay? The judgment. So here's what Paul's doing. So first of all, Paul asks his readers why they judge and show contempt for other believers. Okay, so we do do this, right? I mean, every one of us should be shaking our head. Yes, we do. To some level or not, we do do this. Okay? We do show contempt for other believers. Bottom line, period. Whether it's because you disagree with what, maybe you disagree with a church across town because they believe this about this one issue. Or maybe you disagree with this family because they're doing this. Like, you know, here's, here's a, here's a hot potato issue. Some people think homeschooling's okay. Some people think people who homeschool are nuts. Okay? And you might have a very strong opinion on that. Okay? And you might be very adamant about that and you might judge somebody because of that. I'm just throwing one out there. Okay? The fact of the matter is, is we can be at this point where we show contempt for other believers. Isn't that true? Hey, here's another one. It happens every election. I've heard it. I can't believe how anybody who's a Christian would vote for a Democrat. Or I can't believe how anybody who's a Christian would vote for a Republican. Or I can't believe anybody who's a Christian would vote. Or not vote. I mean, seriously. I mean, how many times have you heard those arguments? Can I just stop for a moment? In the scheme of things, politics, is that a primary issue or a secondary issue? Okay, I didn't didn't hear that. Say it out. You believe that? You better believe it if you're a Christian. Okay? It's a secondary issue. Now, you can feel strong about your secondary issue, save it for the coffee shop with your buddies, but it doesn't have any place in the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't have any place in the church. Because in the church... Well, the weaker people, they're going to vote Democrat or they're going to vote Republican. Okay, forget it. But so what you're supposed to do with a weaker person? Not despise them. What you're supposed to do with a stronger person? Not judge them. Did you understand what I'm saying? He's already told us how we're supposed to be acting towards each other. Okay? So Paul asks his readers why they judge and show contempt for other believers. Paul stresses that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So this is the bottom line, folks. Hey, not a single one of you is going to be exempt from that. Now, and here's what I'm convinced of. And I I have several passages that I could point to this. You know, how many of you have ever heard that one day we're going to stand before Jesus and there's going to be this big movie slideshow about your life on the screen? The chick tracks were used, used to, remember the chick tracks? They used to do that and you, and so a lot of us have this concept when we appear before Jesus, our life is going to come up on a screen and we're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, I used to think that too, but I, actually I don't think that anymore. 
I think that when we stand before Jesus, we're going to know. That's it. It's not going to take that long. It's not going to take that long. We're going to understand. But here's what else we're going to understand. That it's His grace that saves us. And yeah, we messed up. And yeah, we didn't do right. But it's His grace that saves us. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not a judgment to hell. It's a judgment of what we did with His salvation. And are we going to have to answer for that? Yeah. I don't think we have to answer that long. Because it's just going to be there. And there won't be any room for excuses. Because we're just going to submit to grace. Jesus, I'm only here because of you. Not because of me. And yeah, I'm a mess. See, here's the thing. You and I need to recognize that we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of God. So, folks, it's going to come up. He's aware of everything. So Paul quotes Isaiah to show that everyone will bow the knee before God. Everyone. Everyone will bow the knee before God. Man, this is reiterated throughout the scripture. Everyone is going to bow before the Creator, God. Everyone's going to bow before the Creator. So every believer will give an account of himself to God. Everyone will give an account of himself. That's another point we need to recognize. Next week, we're going to continue on in the discussion. And when we look at it next week, we're going to get right into the issue of meat. What meat can we eat and what can't we eat if we're Romans back then? So again... We're going, to, we're going to think about it in terms of what they're struggling with and how it equates to where we are today. But that's next week.